Welcome to another episode of Propcast, a property podcast that aims to educate, inspire, and engage property investors. We are your hosts, Dami Shionbala and Bimbala Osaige. Hey, Bimbala, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, good, good, good. Enjoying lockdown, lock-in, lock-out, whatever you want to call it. Locked in. (laughs) (laughs) Locked in with the family, locked down. from doing anything else. <laughs> 100%, 100%. But you know what? I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, you know, one of the reasons we are into property is for for the freedom so that we can gain freedom of time. And this is kind of giving us a snippet of what that's going to be like, you know, when you're not bound to go to a nine to five every day and you're not bound to, you know, commute for one hour, two hours. And actually the joys of being with your family, spending time and don't get me wrong, it can be tough, you know, with the kids running around and everything, but, you know, we're also enjoying the time together. So what about you? It's so cool that you said that because that's exactly how I've been feeling. So first and foremost, I am loving this moment. And every single time I hear, oh, the lockdown's coming off or what, you know, I think the last time someone they got and they said on the news that we might have three more weeks of lockdown. And I think this was like a week ago, a week and a half ago, my heart actually sank. (laughs) And I thought, oh no, I don't want to come out of lockdown. (laughs) I I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And it felt bad, but it's funny because on one hand my heart really sang and i'm thinking no 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 i want some more time on the other hand i'm actually affected as well as everybody else economically and financially that to be fair we really need to come out of this lockdown before the whole nation goes broke so on the economic financial side it's it's um it, we really want to come out of it but on everything else we want to we just want to enjoy the time that it's given us so but then i then thought to myself if money was not an issue because that's the main reason why even the nations are thinking look we need to get out of this mess because otherwise everyone's going down yeah. if money was not an issue or your money was tight or you have multiple streams of income such that even if one is affected there are others that are still running and bringing you money then yes. actually this sort of lifestyle is what we want and um, exactly. without the restriction of being able to travel just but for having the freedom to spend time like the freedom to spend time with your family with your loved ones you know it's amazing it's it's, it's, it's literally what the world is has been calling out for it's very except, liberating yeah, yeah it, it is and I said I said to my husband the other day I said um um I said do you know what if you think about it everyone that we know every family every relative every friend is on lockdown I, <laughs> Lock, locked in. Locked They're in. Locked in. <laughs> and, I, and I remember that every single time I travel abroad on holiday as much as I'm in my touristy mood Obviously, the, the indigents of that town are still going about their daily business. And I always think to myself, wow, how amazing it would be if everybody was on holiday, like no one was working. Everyone is just here at every point in time, just relaxed, chilled out with the sole intention of having a great time as opposed to working and making things happen. So I was telling him this day other than he goes, yeah, you see, you got your wish. Then I said, actually, no, not quite. I wish, you know, even though we're all locked in the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't want to be thinking about money we don't want to be thinking nah. about you know jobs we just want to know that we are free we're just yeah. free to do yeah. what we want yeah. so freedom it's, it's... freedom of time it's a very nice thing to have and mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm actually finding that the days are still going equally fast 
you know yeah. it, it's not that things have slowed down or um I hear lots of people saying they're bored and they're tired and I'm like really the days are just flying for me so it's it's incredible yeah yeah I was feeling quite tired um yesterday and today and I just thought to myself well why am I home locked in or locked out whatever the ter- the right term is and I'm feeling tired and I realized that yes we're tired we're bored because our brain is still not able to process the fact that this is the time for us to chill um and I just hope that when people come out of this they've really had some good rest rather than just replacing all of the face-to-face because again all the face-to-face have all been replaced by online calls webinars and you know I'm even getting tired of all those things as well (laughs) like (laughs) like, leave me alone just because I'm home doesn't mean I want to log into your online whatever just the new norm, the new norm. That's the, the new, new norm. norm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, bringing this back to property, one of the things that is also um, highlighted to us um, more so now, which I think we started to talk about, is the need for this passive income, the need for having not been tied to a business or a job or anything that requires your physical presence, um, a need to be able to have hands off in whatever you're doing to the point where money is still coming. That's the whole thing about passive income, right? Where whether when it, whether you're sleeping, you're awake, you're walking, you're, whatever you're doing, it, it doesn't matter. Your money is still being generated. Um, so if there's one thing that we should learn from this time is the need to have passive income. I know the property game has been affected somewhat, but nevertheless, nevertheless, the assets so the assets will still be there. 100%. And, and I suppose this is also another point to raise that even though right now a lot of businesses have been affected, a lot of businesses are unfortunately closing up because of the, the, you know, the lockdown. Imagine the, a company like, um, someone reminded me yesterday, if, imagine a, a store like Primark, where yeah. though they've been quite busy, they've been made so much money because they have no online presence. Yes. They are literally, I mean, I pray that they don't go down as a result of this, but um, I mean, just I will, bringing it back to property. Yeah, um, I was shocked. You know, when um, mm. somebody told me that they didn't have yeah, an online they presence, do, they don't. I'm like, they don't. this is 2020. How can mm. you not have? And okay, actually, yeah, it's a big learning, right? It, it's it's also more cost effective for them because if you think about their units, the the size yeah. of their units and what they're paying for those units, and of course yeah. the staff, and then you know, yeah. and the management, surely they could even drive their prices down if they went online because the cost yeah. of serving up what you're doing online would be a fraction compared to, yeah. but it's hey. It's a big learning. It's, a, it's such a big learning um, for them, such a big learning. But well, um, I wanted to say that the difference with property as a um, property investment or property as a, as a wealth creation tool is even though the property market and the property game is being affected right now as a result, the fact remains that your asset is your asset, right? Like your house is not going to uproot or disappear because of, of, of this lockdown or because you've not been able to get a tenant in or because you're not able to sell, your asset is, you know, is one of the most tangible, um, tangible thing that you could ever, any kind of tangible wealth too that you can have, you know, and I love properties for that reason. It's yeah. always going to be there. 
you know, you just need to change strategy a little bit, but your asset is always going to be there. So it's, it's really um, a time to start to think like if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're still at the point where you're thinking, should I, should I not? Do I want to, do I not want to? This is a big opportunity to start thinking differently about properties. Agreed. And as we always say, do make sure you seek advice and also just make sure that you're in the right place and right position to be able to do it. But this is a great time. Warren Buffett has a quote that he said, and he said, you know, whenever everyone is greedy, be fearful. And whenever everybody's fearful, be greedy. And right okay. now, everybody <laughs> is everybody's fearful. fearful. And there are, people, <laughs> <laughs> there are people out there who are zumping <laughs> and they're really taking advantage of this. So it's all, it's all a matter of perspective. And sometimes it can be difficult, especially if you like watch the news and you're keeping up to date with what's going on. I remember when we, when coronavirus like really hit us here in the UK, I think for the first two days, I had Sky News on for like, you know, all the time in the background. And I just remembered my mind was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Since then, I, sh- I shut it off. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know what, you know, the governments have announced. I don't want to know. You know what? Keep safe. Uh, uh, you know, when we go out, make sure we, we're safe. Uh, we only go shops or exercising. And the rest of time, I'm just using it for business or, you know, work, looking after the kids kids and and that's it so um yeah yeah but so today i guess we need to get into our topic right we do need to get into our topic <laughs> that's what corona does <laughs> there's never a boring moment with this there's, this pandemic there's, there's always something never, to talk about <laughs> never a boring moment with rona rona lurking around yeah. mm-hmm. um so yeah today we are talking really about landlords and what does it what you know what is a landlord was it what does it mean to be a landlord what are the responsibilities of a landlord and more importantly sharing our experiences as landlords and what kind of things you know people can expect who are looking to invest because all too often you hear you always hear the upsides of investing and you know you you only hear the upsides but it's always good Mm -hmm. to get a balanced view like yes there are massive upsides but with upsides there's all there's also you know the responsibility and also the um the, the downsides as well so so yeah i guess do, do you want to kick us off in in terms of what does it mean to be a landlord and so i mean landlord is a word that is so ever so common with um, property investment and, and and rightly so because the virtual meaning of being a landlord is as someone that owns a property so either it's a house an apartment um a piece of land any kind of real estate that is then rented or leased out to an individual or a business and those people or that individual, that business becomes your tenant. So that's what a landlord is. And by virtue of you owning a piece of asset, uh, a piece of real estate and lending it to somebody else, it makes you a landlord. So it's not one, it's one of those things that people don't necessarily, um, I, I don't know so many people that have gone into property investment because they want to be a landlord, uh, which is interesting because by okay. virtue of you owning a piece of asset, you could automatically become a landlord once you rent it out to somebody else. Sure. So I think it's something that it's a good topic that we're talking about today because um, just being a landlord, um, it doesn't cut it. There's a, there's a level of expectation and responsibility that comes with the, with the 
name okay. and also often some people um would go into it into this be a landlord go, but because they don't understand what is expected of them fall into trouble either with the law of the land or end up having a bad relationship with their tenants and that's when you start having hearing stories where people have some really terrible experience as a landlord but i think that whilst you can't necessarily um you cannot necessarily predict what kind of relationship you're going to have with your tenant, there's, there's, there's certain principles, there's certain responsibilities, certain guidelines that every landlord should follow. And okay. I'm hoping that we can pull that out today as we go into this podcast. Okay. So before we like get get into the nitty gritty of being a landlord, so I'm I'm here, I want to invest in property and I don't want to be a landlord. Is that possible? Hmm. Okay, well, or, that would be a yes and no question. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can rephrase the question. Maybe I can say, I don't want to be a hands-on landlord. I, after all, you know, they tell me that property, it, it can bring money to me while I'm sleeping. So it's an investment that brings me passive income passive meaning that I don't have to do anything or worry about anything is that possible I don't think it's possible not so it's possible I don't think it's possible to be a passive landlord and I'm going to explain that so you might not want to have the responsibility the day-to-day responsibilities of being a landlord and that bit itself can be delegated so being a landlord is the fact that you own an asset and you rented it out right so rather you employ right. the use or the help of a, of, a, of an agent to help you run the day-to-day activities, that's one thing, and that you can delegate. But okay. overall, as a landlord, there's still certain things that you have to do or at least be aware of in order for you to delegate because you can only delegate authority or knowledge. I mean, you can only delegate authority when you actually know what's expected. Okay. Um, Otherwise, you hand over your um, your your services, even with an estate agent. Like if you, in order for you to say to an estate agent, "Look, I want you to come and take over X, Y, Z," you need to know the basics, right? You, sure. At least know that you know know the property that you have, know the name, the address, you know, all that kind of you know, mundane of stuff. And yeah. then when you do delegate um, the authority and the responsibility to an estate agent to manage the day to day, you still need to be aware when it comes to your tax um, um the, the time when you have to declare your tax your income from that property you need to know as the owner of the property you need to know um you know when your interest rate is due your mortgage so you cannot 100 percent not be a be a passive landlord you don't have to be very active in the day-to-day but you still there's certain things you still need to know but yes um it's it's possible okay. maybe like an 80 20 that's it maybe an 80 20 um 80 okay. can be dedicated but you definitely we still have the 20 percent okay um, so you want to do it okay so it can be passive but there's still a level of involvement that i would need to have there is there is because also to be fair whilst there are lots of great estate agents out there some estate agents are not as good as others and we you know so for example if you there's certain um, guidelines that the, the government especially if you're based in the united kingdom where you must follow as a landlord there's certain things that you must do so let me run through that very quickly and then I'll, I'll make a point from there so as a landlord in the uk if you're renting out your property you need to make sure that you you keep your rented property safe and free from any kind of health hazard you need to ensure that your gas and electric certificates um, sorry your gas and electrical equipments are safely installed and maintained you need to um, 
You need to provide an EPC, which is an energy performance certificate for the property. You need to protect your tenant's deposit in a government approved scheme if you've received or collected a, ten, a deposit from your tenant. You need to check that your tenant has the right to rent your property if it's in England. You need to give them a copy of the how to rent checklist when they start renting from you. Um, so those are things that legally you have to do as a landlord. Now, all of these things are things that estate agents also know needs to be done and of course you you know hopefully you would you would hope that they would make make, make sure that they get this or at least they're fulfilling this but then what tends to happen is some estate agents if they're not on the ball or they're not as um as active um, as others when your gas safety certificate expires after a year you might not be if you're a very passive landlord you might not know when it's expired you might not have put things in place to ensure that it's renewed sure. if you have a really bad estate agent they might not pick up on it as well but okay. then what happens is in the time when there is a, an expired gas certificate, for example, you are breaking the law. Mm -hmm. And if you break the law, the government isn't going to come for the estate agent. They're coming for you, the owner of the property, because it's your sure. name on the tenancy agreement. Sure. It's the same thing as um, the right to rent, the, de the tenant's deposit. You can give your, your deposit to an estate agent or should sure. I say an estate agent may collect the deposit on your behalf. And mm. if they don't, um, if they don't secure it, um, you could end up getting in trouble if there was sure. an issue later on. So in, on one hand, there's a lot that you can delegate to, to your estate agent, but you mm. definitely need to know. You need to know what you're doing. Sure. So I've got to to questions that I want to raise off of the back of what you just said. So you mentioned having things like gas certificates, which run out every year, uh, your electrical certificates, which also I can't remember now if it's every year or every years, two years. Ten years. Okay, ten, ten years. years. Ten or five years. There's also a new law coming in, I think, uh, which which demands that you must have you must have this. So I'm an investor. I've now got 10 to 15 properties. What's the mm -hmm. best way of me keeping it on top of, okay, house A, uh, the gas certificate is going to run out tomorrow. House B, it's in six months. What's the best way for me as a landlord to keep on top of that? And then second of all, if all of these things are not in place, what is it really affecting from, okay, yes, it's uh, breaking the law, but if nobody knows about it, is it really going to affect me? What does it, you know, how does it affect me as a landlord? And what, what does it mean that I possibly won't be able to do if any of these things aren't in place? Right. So I think the first one about if you have a big portfolio of properties and it's um, there's a potential that unless you're involved or someone is involved, you could forget important dates and for important things. I think that that's the point where you probably need to start thinking of having a property management company. So if it means you're setting up a company, um, that literally just manages your, your portfolio and then you employ a property manager that then deals with all the administrative stuff. I think it's worth investing in something like that, especially when you have a, a big portfolio. Obviously, that wouldn't work if you've only got one or two properties because you don't want that to eat into your profit. But in sure. a case where you're running into you know, 10, 11, 12 and more, I mean, we know people that have hundreds of properties. Sure. You know, there is no way that you want to manage that. There's no way you can manage that mm -hmm. by yourself. Otherwise, you're back into a job. So the sure. best thing way that what I've heard a lot of people do is they set up a property management company and then you actually can employ someone to okay. then take that's their day to day responsibility. That's okay. their job. And okay. then that way you can you can manage, you can have the they can have the reminders and everything that is needed. Um and you just treat it as a proper company and then of course you can offset all of that um 
against your tax implication as well. Clearly, uh, if you have that many properties, you probably have to pay a bit more in tax. So by yes. employing, directing that money into a, employ, a setting up a company that employs a person or two, um, that then becomes a viable expense. Um, and then it means that you're on top of your game. Um, but so I guess, uh, yeah, but I guess if we're saying maybe let, let's say if you've got maybe not to 10 properties at that stage you're probably not at the point where you yeah. want to be hiring a staff so maybe you can leverage the use of uh, some form of crm which is a customer relationship management system um, mm -hmm. where maybe you can put the property details and then of course you can enter into that system you know, something like gas certificate and you can yeah. you can set reminders right uh, something like that maybe yeah yeah and the good thing as well is that a lot of these companies that provide these services they're because the, the whole world is you know into data keeping it's you know intelligent data keeping even the companies themselves will set reminders so that you know i've had so many e i've had i constantly get emails from my um the company that i use to do my gas safety check i constantly get emails from them saying your gas safety check is due would you like us, would you like to renew with us? Would you like us to come out? So a really good company out there would know to set those kind of reminders as part of their process to remind their customers or anyone that has, um, that has had, that has dealt with them. It's the same thing as with when you have your insurance, your car insurance, your home insurance, you know, even till today, I get reminders from an insurance company that I haven't even used in years because they've been keeping track of my annual, um, annual renewals. So I think that really helps. Um, most companies should, most companies would do that. And then you can do that as well, which is exactly what you've said. Exactly. But there's so many, you know, intelligent ways of doing things like that these days. So no one should really um, say, oh, I forgot. And then I forgot for years. I mean, you, even down to like how we MOT our cars. Remember, you know, back in the day, you would just get a paper reminder. Correct, but you yes. wouldn't get a reminder that at some point they've introduced the paper reminders. And if you got a, if you lost, if that was lost on the post, it's very easy for you to remember. And then after that, if we moved on to the MOT sensors, actually putting a sticker on your car yes, and yes. tells you and puts on the exact, the exact, the expiry date. And it's like those kind of things that every company is putting in place to make sure that things that need to be done annually or regularly or periodically are not missed. Correct. Um, so everyone's got to be smart about that. Yeah. Okay. And then the next question around what, the, what are the implications if you don't do certain things? So um, there, there are quite, um, there are quite a number of ways you could get in trouble <laughs> with the law when you don't do certain things. And there are also certain things that from an ethical point of view, you actually don't even want to not do those. So, for example, the, the safety certification that is done periodically, so the gas is usually um, every year. Yeah. Electric, I think it's five or ten years. Now, this is this is stuff that are... Uh, that is linked into the safety of your tenants. So sure. whilst you, you as a landlord, enjoy the profits that you're making or getting or receiving from your properties, you also have a duty of care to the person that is paying you that money that they are living in a safe environment. So if you have a gas appliance in your property, for example, you have to make sure that that's checked regularly for the safety of your, of your tenants. So even though, sure. so I suppose that's one of the reasons why such things are, um, are being regulated by, by the law, because if you let left to people, they yes. might not do it, but we don't it's even true. need the law to tell us that it's just the safety of the people that are living in your property. Like who would want to know that someone that has been faithfully paying their rent for years ends up dying from something that they could have prevented. Like nobody 
everybody wants to have that on their yeah. conscience. So uh, you've got that ethical part of things. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you it's so interesting uh, you mentioned that, you know, it's, it's common sense, right? If you're providing accommodation for individuals or families, you want to make sure it's as safe and as clean as possible. And I tell you, Bimbala, I've been to some properties where, you know, I've, I've gone with my builder and he's shown me properties he's renovating and working on and the conditions of these properties, it's incredible. And when I say incredible, I mean like it's filthy and you wonder how individuals are living in these properties. And of course, the landlord knows the state of the property because he, he's he's visiting or she's visiting the property. And you think, mm. you know, how, how how is it possible to let people live in, in these in, in this kind of conditions? And this is why landlords tend to get a bad reputation, because very few, very select few don't really follow these things that we're saying. And right. um, hopefully this is giving out good content and good education for people who are thinking of investing in property, that it's a responsibility that you do have to take care yeah so yeah I mean, think about grenfell for example mm. the reason why it was as it was such a, a sad sad situation was the fact that one the whole the properties were owned by the local authority so you would you would hope you or we would have hoped that there was that level of care that they were um, bound by um Correct. saying that they're always on everybody's backs but then secondly it's the fact that apparently recently they had some work so they had they may have had i don't even remember the story fully now but it was it was pretty much down to negligence yes so what happened was literally pulled down to negligence and see how many families died as a result how many people's families were ruined because somebody else was negligent um, yet receiving money so it's it's the worst thing that you'd ever want on your conscience as a landlord. Mm. so it's important that um you, you do provide, um, you do think about your tenants' safety first and foremost. But I have to say, though, um, I have to say that it is not in every situation that you find a property that isn't maintained properly, properly that is down to the landlord. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm saying that now because yes. if we were having this discussion a few years back, I would probably say, oh, no, 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 of course not. But recently i've seen situations where it's it's literally just down to the tenant so for example so i know someone a very close person who um had rent who's rented out this lovely beautiful three-bed house to a family and i don't know if the family have some sort of immigration issues or they are just um they just have general other issues i don't quite get what their real issue is or it could be either or but basically what has happened is the um the, this property is beautiful rented out to them they've been there for years in fact they're also on um i think at some point they went on to their benefit um and then the the universal credit where the government the council pay a bit of their rent to the landlord and then they have to do the top up and i think they're probably either struggling to do the top up or they just refuse to do the top up. So, they, so now the, the, the rent is, they've got rent arrears. Now, because of the fact that they had rent arrears and obviously avoiding the landlord, times when the landlord has wanted to do visits, they've blocked. Times where there's been clear issues in the property that needs a, a professional to come in, they've blocked access. They haven't given access. Um, they've been threatened with eviction. I mean, like the landlord is really at the point where she's like, I don't know what to do with these people because I want to fix the property. I want to do X, Y, Z, but they keep restricting access. And even when they've 
managed to get access into the property. I think I remember her telling me that there was once a plumber went in to sort something out and they literally had to send, they made it so uncomfortable for this plumber that he just couldn't stay there. Um, so okay. you have instances where maybe due to what a tenant is going through, whether they've got some real issues in their personal lives, it obviously spills out into the way that they live, the things that they do. And then they, they literally make it difficult for the landlord to gain access to their own property. Correct. But as you know, the law also does not encourage a landlord forcing entry into the property. Yes. The law does not encourage the landlord changing the locks without due a, a prior permission. You know, so there are all these other things that makes it difficult for a landlord to even do what they feel they need to do. And then when you think about the fact that then you have to go through the eviction process to get this person out of your property and the amount of time that it takes um, as well, it's it's such a, a drag. And yes. So I just wanted to obviously put out that whilst there are so many slum landlords out there um, that just don't care there are also a, a good number of tenants that make it very difficult for the good landlords to actually do what they need to do there are a lot right. of tenants out there that would overpopulate your property and because they're overpopulating your property they don't make it easy for the landlord to come by or the estate agent to come by so you might rent out your property to uh, to a family of four um, because that's probably the max that your property can take sure. and at some point it's turned from a family of four to, to a family of 16 people. And you're wondering what is going on. And of course, if where do you have a lot more people than is expected or required, the house is going to be run down automatically. Yeah. So, you know, so there's a, there's a real. And I guess this is the reason why it's important for our listeners who are thinking about investing in property. And even those who may already have invested in property is that the, the, the reason why we're talking about this is, you need to ensure that you have all these things in place so that should issues arise and you have to go down to court, for example, to ask for an eviction notice. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, this is the the, the, the last the last um, resort. But if yeah. it if it should come to this, you need to have all these things in place because if you don't, okay. the law favors the the, the tenant. Yeah. And if you don't have any of these things in place, it will just be thrown out and you won't be able to. You won't be able to um, to, to evict that tenant or, or get that tenant out of your property, which in the long run is going to cost you because you're going to be missing rental payments. The house mm -hmm. is potentially going to be damaged, and by the time the whole thing is sorted out, you may you may be thousands and thousands of pounds down. So it's very important to make sure that all of these things are in place. And there's there's a lot more, by the way. It's just we we've touched on a few. Um, but right. of course, um, in any investment, um, you, you've got to make sure you do your due diligence, understand your responsibilities, and uh, and and make sure you're you're up to date. So, should we talk about some positive things though? So I don't want us to leave thinking that it's all gloom and doom. Yeah. I mean, we've had some great experiences with and um, being a landlord. Um, I yes. certainly have. Yes. You know, I I've had landlords. Sorry, I have tenants. I've had tenants that have stayed in my property for years. Yeah. Like they've you know got their first baby, their second baby. Like they've had their children, and it's their for almost like it's their forever home. Correct. And on one hand. I love the idea of that, but also I must remember that everybody needs to buy their own property at some point. So yeah, um, yes, yeah, so I've had some great tenants uh, personally. I've had tenants who hardly ever call me for yeah. issues. Now, even though as a landlord, my responsibility is to make some provision to my tenant. Um, and I think some tenants are quite good at the fact that if they see a property as theirs, or if you make them feel as though this is their property and it's not 
the fact that, oh, you know, you have to keep coming down on them as, okay, I'm the landlord and you're the tenant. They would look after your property. They take it as yeah. theirs. So I have tenants that would never call me if there was an issue. And in fact, by the time I get a phone call from them, it's, it's either they're telling me, this is the issue, we've sorted it out, or yeah. they've said, oh, this is the issue, it's been going on for so long, <laughs> and we yeah. try to manage it, we can't, and we just said, okay, you know what, I think you need to know, yes. uh, although saying that, sometimes I don't necessarily enjoy that, because I wish I knew at the beginning, but yeah. I think just the fact that they're cautious enough to think about the fact that they don't want to disturb me, even though they sh they, they, they were well within their right to come, is amazing, so they, yes. I've had some really good experiences as a landlord, also yeah. when you get that rental payment into your bank account on the day that <laughs> is meant to come in without fail without you having to send reminders yeah. i love that feeling because i can plan my life around my rental payments um so I, I really appreciate my tenants that pay their rent on time you know so there have been some great um and i've had some great experience as a landlord um and i've also had some not so great experience as a landlord as well where a landlord a tenant calls you and my heart sinks and i'm thinking oh what do, what do they want now <laughs> i've had a ten I've, in fact i've had a tenant call me to tell me that the light bulb is gone and i'm like are you kidding me like are you kidding me but yeah but so it's um it's like a half an so hour did you did good. you did you go and fix that light bulb well, you, you, you can you can be sure that i didn't no <laughs> we will not be encouraging such foolishness <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I've had a tenant that I literally, to be fair, actually, to be fair on this tenant, they, they were quite young. So it's a young couple. They okay. just literally had to leave home. Um, to, to, to a guy and a girl just um, fell pregnant and they needed a place of their own. So they were quite young. They were really young, to be honest. And they literally, literally used to call me every other day to tell me this and tell me that. And initially I was a bit upset about it. Then I realized that actually they are quite young. They probably, this is the first time they're doing this. I, I, I extended a bit more grace. To, towards them but in the end it got really annoying um, and i just had to let them know that i don't have time for this mm. <laughs> this isn't what i came here for <laughs> yeah, this so isn't what i signed up for yeah, this is yeah. what i signed up with a lot of people and then of course it's about relationship right yes um, relationship at the end of the day it's it's the way that you do relationship with people because after all I, I personally appreciate all of my tenants, um, first and foremost, because they, they put money in my pocket, but also it's a, it's a relationship. I have to treat them with respect. I have to treat them cordially. I have to know that they have, you know, whatever their needs are, I should look to help, you know. So I, I think if there's anything we want to take out of this, it's one of those relationships that you don't necessarily know how it's going to pan out but you can treat it with the utmost respect to make, to ensure that this, you do your very part or your very best to get the best, the best out of it. Sure. Excellent. Well, I think with that being said, we've, we've covered quite a lot in this episode. And again, we hope it's been useful that you've been able to take something away. Uh, I guess, you know, if I was to summarize is yes, there, there are a few things that you need to do, but once you get over that in, initial hurdle or the, the initial set of requirements that are needed you know you can meet some fantastic people some really good people and um, and you know you get a sense of pride as well because you're providing a home for somebody to live in and when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs the very bottom is just the fact that we we all need that feeling of security we all need to make sure we have food shelter and we're providing the very 
essence of like you may need so it, it's it's a fantastic position to be in it's a it's a great place to be in and uh yeah so we hope you've enjoyed the podcast i've enjoyed listening to Bimbola again and same. hopefully the same and uh yeah look forward to the next episode and like we always say you know don't forget to subscribe number one and if you have any further questions then please feel free to reach out to us we'll be more than happy to have a conversation until next time ciao